What's up, everybody? It's the Power Rankings Podcast, a.k.a. the Power Rankings Show. Let me see if I can awkwardly fill my head into all the space. No? I'm pleased to be joined, as always, with the one and only, the, as I call him, the, uh, the really the Billy Idol of the football business. At Marcus underscore Mosher, how are you? I'm doing well, Elliot. How are you doing today? I'm going to have another average recall uh, while we're doing this. <laughs> um very mediocre Ricola, uh, because I really prefer, as I said, Halls. So, Halls, if you're listening, how much would you like a month from Halls? Uh, thousand? Like, uh, like five or six bucks, I think I'd be good with. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. Uh, just enough to make sure I have it, I can buy Halls when I go to the CVS near me. We've got uh, some knowledge here to, to dispense on the football front. That's why I wore my reading glasses, pulling my hair back, and... Uh, I'm, I'm going to try not to come in too hot. Um, we've got some big news, but Marcus, just kind of in like local news, Marcus got sent two suitcases full of football mm. cards, not sent, dropped off at his house. Yes. And so he randomly pulled a football card out a little while ago uh, for me to talk about. I don't even remember now. What was it? It was an action pack. Uh, yeah, these are action packed. 1992 action pack set. Again, I've got like seven or eight Can I see whole it? sets. You, you want the whole set? Well, the one you pulled out. No, I already put it back. This is the oh. whole pack. All right, pull out yeah. another one. Right. Random yeah. card. Come on, random card. Pull. All right, random card. Ready? Yeah. I have to talk about whoever you pull. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Herschel Walker with the Vikings. So that's the 91 season on the back. Yeah. Can you look on the back. Yeah, yes, 1991 season. I'm going to guess how many rushing yards. Okay. 825. 825, exactly. Oops, I got oh, my gosh. Like, Are you serious? Yes, 825, exactly. <laughs> 4.2 yards per carry, 10 rushing touchdowns, 204 receiving yards. Oh, it's a nice year. That's a good season. It was It was okay. He was you know, Herschel Walker got traded in 89, came off like gangbusters, his first game against Green Bay. And then kind of fizzled out. 1990 was a terrible season for him. Jerry Burns and company really didn't know how to use him. 91, they used him a little bit more. That's why he had over 800 yards rushing. But while Herschel Walker was rushing for 800 yards, the Cowboys draft picks that they got uh, for trading him were getting the Cowboys to the playoffs in 91 and then three of the next four Super Bowls. But um, Herschel, you know, would go to Philadelphia the year after that, and he'd run for 1,000 yards for the mm -hmm. uh, rich, co-tight Philadelphia Eagles. And then he would go that. on to be a uh, U.S. senator, uh, you know, potential. Mm -hmm. okay. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Last time I saw the polls, I, I, you know, what, what's uh, – <laughs> I don't know. I haven't checked I'd up say. on my... Uh, it's not great, but... It's not great. He, yeah, he's the fourth quarter running back anyway, so we'll see. Man, I still am so hot here in Texas. I'm using my reading glasses, so my 
hair doesn't sweat on my face. Um, that's what we've got going on today. So Marcus has all these football cards. So I think we're just going to pull a random card uh, every time we're on the show. But I, I think that sounds uh, fun. Let's do it. We've got some small news. Uh, we've got some big news. One of our smaller news is a podcast note here that Marcus really wants to add a ding for breaking news. So I thought we could do the the original ding, which is from Rocky Three, when Apollo and Rocky were going to spar at the ding. end of the movie, and he goes, "You want to ring the bell?" Ding, ding. ding. Yes. Yeah. So if we have breaking news, you'll hear that. Uh, the big news came down what this morning, I guess. Miami Dolphins. Do you want to do you want to go through it real quick, and then we'll we'll comment. Yeah, so the the Miami Dolphins were fined, uh, and they lost a first round draft pick from 2023 and a third round draft pick from 2024 for violating the integrity of the NFL. Is what the the big thing was. But uh, a couple of different investigations going on, including the the Brian Flores uh, tanking versus not tanking thing that they talked about back in was it 2019. But the real reason they lost uh, the big draft picks are because they tampered with Tom Brady and Sean Payton. They were trying to get those guys to jump on uh, in 2020 and even in 2021. Um, ultimately, it didn't happen. Now the Dolphins are out of two valuable picks. How do you feel about this? Uh I mean, normally when you tamper and you lose draft picks, it's because you actually got the player, the coach. It's pretty rare to tamper and not get the the player or coach and lose a first-round pick. It's a pretty big blow for Miami. Well, the other part of this, well, a couple things. I mean, I would say this definitely vindicates Brian Flores. Um, For all the people that thought that that was a bunch of baloney, uh, would you agree with that? The NFL would not. And why would the NFL not? Because they found in their investigation that uh, Stephen Ross did not tell Ryan Flores to tank and that the Dolphins didn't tank. That's not why why they lost a draft pick. It actually had nothing to do with that. They believed that Stephen Ross was joking uh, to Brian Flores when he told him to intentionally lose games and he would give him $100,000 for every loss. But that's not the only thing that Brian Flores talked about when it came to that meeting with with the owner so it's not like that's the only thing that came out of this Um, that was the big thing right Uh, again just to be clear i'm not defending the nfl i'm just literally trying to say the nfl does not believe or rephrase that they did not suspend and find the dolphins because they thought the dolphins were trying to tank okay He was joking. Yeah, that that sounds like something the owner would joke about. Yeah. Sure. Hey, man, come on to my private boat, and I'm going to talk to you about a few things. And um, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Maybe you could lose, and I'll pay you this much money to do it. I could I could understand at a cocktail party saying, "Hey, about how about you just lose and we get a draft pick?" And somebody overhears it. That sounds like a joke to me, right? I was going to think of the last time I got invited to a cocktail party, but that's besides the point. Go ahead. Come on, Marcus. <laughs> All right. So this is this is where I'm coming from. When uh, and we're going to get to this. When Deshaun Watson got suspended, everyone on Twitter went and compared it to Calvin Ridley and to Josh Gordon. 
Sure. Josh Gordon, I think, got suspended almost 80 games. I want to say the number was 78 in total over his career for smoking weed. And Calvin Ridley got a year. That wasn't the only thing, but yes, go ahead. Right. And ca- and it was multiple offenses too, you know, like where he knew the tests were coming. But we're not we're not really here to talk about Josh Gordon. No. no. Calvin Ridley got suspended for a year for gambling. I believe it was fifteen hundred dollars, if memory serves, on mm-hmm. his team to win. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so people were comparing Deshaun Watson to Calvin Ridley, and I'm saying no, 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 no. Let's compare Calvin Ridley to Stephen Ross. Who's got more effect over a team's wins and losses holistically, the owner or the wide receiver? The owner. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what could Calvin Ridley possibly do to harm a team as a wide receiver by betting on them to win? Nothing. Um, And he wasn't even playing for them at the time, just to be clear. So, so, um, I understand the NFL, the NFL way back in the Pete Rozelle days were very harsh on players. They were not even allowed to, to bet on their own team winning that I, I get that. <clears throat> but if you're going to put a team in Las Vegas and you're going to have DraftKings and FanDuel and all of this stuff going on as either sponsorships or what have you, boy, aren't you on a slippery slope, Marcus, with that already? Yes, but I do understand where the NFL is coming from, from the Calvin Ridley suspensions. You just, you can't have players betting on NFL games, regardless if they're betting for or against their team. It just, it doesn't matter. Sure. And so when you have tangible evidence, like doing it on, I think, didn't he do it on his phone? Yes. Am I misremembering that? He did it on his phone. So you have tangible evidence. They don't have tangible evidence that Stephen Ross did this because whoever heard it, basically took one for Stephen Ross. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe they were telling the truth, maybe, or maybe not. And here's the thing. Roger Goodell is an employee of the National Football League, which is owned by 32 independent owners. Mm-hmm. So that's his boss. Any way that you look at it, that's his boss. <clears throat> we just had a day-long congressional hearing with Daniel Snyder of the Washington Commanders. How much did you hear about that hearing, Marcus? None, other than it lasted like 12 hours. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So Daniel Snyder, we don't hear anything that comes out about that. Uh, Most people, I think, would agree that Daniel Snyder has gotten off uh, far too easily with what's going on with the Commanders. Now you have Stephen Ross, who is reportedly says that the Dolphin, uh, I guess, bribes Brian Flores to to tank. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was just a joke. How, how are you supposed to buy that? I don't know if you can. I don't. What's the old uh, adage, the old kind of saying? Isn't it like the, wo- the fox watching the hen house? Mm-hmm. If you have the commissioner who's an, an employee of the NFL owners, who's ultimately... They know how bad it's going to look if he gets punished for the Dolphins tanking, which in my estimation is fixing games, which it's fixing. I can tell you agreeing to lose. And it happened. Like, I'm telling you, there was games early in that season where they were competitive. 
And it's like they adjusted the entire game plan of the second half to make sure they were losing games. I mean, it it certainly happened. So why why do you think? And I, this is a legitimate question, even though I have a hardcore opinion, <laughs> clearly. But why do you think the Tom Brady stuff comes out and they get punished for that, but not for this? Why do you think? Why was there evidence that was acceptable for the the tampering? But not for this. Well, I think that there's certain rules the NFL has that they they go by the book, right? Tampering is something that they feel very strongly about. They do not want they do not want you talking to other coaches and other players during the season mm-hmm. until free agency kicks off. And we even know that's not true, right? Because we see deals signed the minute free agency opens. It's just don't do it during the season and don't make it clear and obvious what you're doing. Right. But if I, I guess what I'm driving at is if I just called the league and said, I know that the Dolphins tampered with uh, Mike McCarthy, wouldn't that be hilarious? But um, they're not just going to take that. You have to have some evidence that this happened. Sure. Correct. Sure. Sure. That they tampered with Sean Payton, that they tampered with Tom Brady. Okay. That whatever evidence they had of that, they accepted. Whatever evidence they had, of Stephen Ross saying this to uh, Brian Flores didn't exist. Isn't that convenient? Because yes. tampering doesn't hurt your product. Right. Nobody really cares. Honestly, do you think any fan cares if the Dolphins tried to to um, get Sean Payton to come to no. Miami? No, they don't care at all. No, because fans think, oh, why do you think uh, – Bill Belichick gets spy the the entire Spygate deal where they got fined what a half million dollars in a first round mm-hmm. draft pick. I think that was a punishment mm-hmm. because most fans don't care. Most fans are like, yeah, they're just trying to get a competitive edge. They're trying to win, okay? right? They're trying to win. But tanking games, you're talking about fixing games, and you're talking yes. about how much money do you think is gambled on the Miami Dolphins contest? Per week, millions, millions, and millions, and millions, and millions, when you start, and millions. And you, when you start messing with Vegas, and you start messing with big time casinos and sports books like DraftKings mm-hmm. and FanDuel, that's when it gets serious, right? Don't mess that's, with the money. That's right. That don't don't mess with the money. It's not just even if the Dolphins are playing the Jags, man. There's still grease on that game, even if it's a Week 17 game. People mostly are betting on mostly by you. <laughs> people are betting on whether Tua is going to throw over under 300 yards it's not just the game itself it affects all the little sub bets that you have you know yeah. um the dolphins game might be part of a parlay a three team you know all sure. those different kinds of things it's not just the game the over under or the line there's so many things affected by that and if the dolphins tank And it allows another team to win the division. What about all the people that bet before the season that this team was going to win the division and they lose because the Dolphins tanked? Yes. Um, This is ridiculous to me. It's totally ridiculous, but it it makes total sense. Daniel Snyder is going to be protected. And so's Stephen Ross. And um, it's just very, very frustrating to me. Yet Calvin Ridley gets loses a season. It's unbelievable. So if you're going to compare suspensions, let's not compare... Deshaun Watson and uh, Stephen Ross not get, or excuse me, Deshaun Watson and Calvin Ridley. Let's compare Stephen Ross and Calvin Ridley. Sure. Um, any other thoughts that you have on this? Obviously, a first round draft pick is a serious punishment. 
Yeah, and it's a huge one for them because you know they, next year is a super heavy quarterback class, a very rich quarterback class. They had two draft picks going into it in case Tua's not good this year, right? It kind of gave them a little bit of a, a backstop. Now you don't have that. Uh, it's 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 a big big deal for Miami not to have it. I hopefully I'm hoping for them they can kind of get through this. I know Stephen Ross is suspended uh, until I think October 17th. Hopefully Miami can move on. Do you disagree with my take on this? Do you think I'm being way too harsh? No, no. I think a lot of people are afraid to say what I'm saying, and I guarantee you, if they work for NFL media, they can't say this. Yeah. Um, but it's well, and it's not. I'm not trying to be harsh on. I don't have any ill feelings towards my former employer. That's not what it is. It's just. I believe I believe that tanking is fixing. I know not everyone agrees with me on that. No, it, it it is. Um, we speaking of uncomfortable stuff. We should probably talk about Deshaun Watson, right? And the suspension handed down from Sue Roberts. Well, well, just hang on, okay? I was going to say that we have some quick hitters, but uh, I wanted to squeeze in yeah. something a little bit more light, and you went straight to the other depression. <laughs> well, uh, thing. well, you mentioned Deshaun Watson. I thought that was a nice, easy segue. Well. It was, but one of your favorite offensive linemen in the league might be out for the year, and I wanted yeah. to just get a little football take of what you thought the Bucks might do. Uh, yeah, so Ryan Jensen, uh, serious knee injury late last week in practice. It's a big I guess one. That's he, not very light. Yeah, it's it's a bummer because he is one of the more fun offensive linemen in the league, yeah. and that's what I meant. It's it's tough for Tampa Bay because now they've lost all three starting interior offensive linemen from last year. Ali Marpet retired. Uh, Alex mm-hmm. Kappa signed with the Bengals, and now Ryan yep. Jensen out for the year. They even had a scare this morning in practice when Tristan, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Tristan Worse was carted off the field. He's he's okay, nothing to worry about. But we know the one thing with Tom Brady, he does not like pressure in his face. So not having somebody like Jensen in the middle, it's a big deal. Yeah, it is. I I meant more. He's kind of a fun guy, and yeah. uh, but it's not he. Couldn't technically he could come back for the postseason. Yeah, it's. I mean, they didn't put him on IR for the not, entire year. You know, it's not, not what happened here. Not yet. I I think Tampa Bay will be smart with this though. I think they should just allow him to be healthy, get ready for next year, have that full twelve months to recover. But we'll see. Yeah, I I I guess I'm just more hoping. You know, yeah. I'd like to see Tampa Bay put it put together a solid run. I'm not rooting for them to win the Super Bowl or anything. We both know that Marcus and I are rooting for the Chargers, but beyond that, this Ricola cough drop is near the end. So I'm getting to that point I told you about. When do you decide to take the bite into it? Yeah, probably in about good... probably about one more minute once we get into the Sean Watson stuff, and you just you, you need a little bit of a break. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Deshaun Watson got six games. No fine. Um, Your thoughts. I personally thought it was a little light, a little light uh, of a punishment, but I can hear an argument that it was actually just right. It's awkward to really talk about what's the appropriate punishment given the offense. So we're really going based on the context of what other players have gotten what's already transpired and then also how much that affects the team in a football sense. If we're going to get into social part of this, it's very hard to say what's appropriate. So I thought six games was a little light on the football business side of things. What did you think? 
I'm actually more curious to see what happens next. I, I think that's the most interesting thing here because the NFL and the NFLPA both decided, hey, it's time to take Roger Goodell out of this being the judge and jury thing. Let's hire a former judge to handle this kind of stuff, right? Sue Roberts recommended a six-game suspension. And now it's up to Goodell, whether to appeal it and to, you know, maybe tack on more games. If Goodell adds more games, it's going to have ripple effects for all the other, you know, suspensions and investigations that go on over the next 10 years or so. But if he doesn't and he allows it to be six games, I think a lot of people are going to think it's too light like you you thought. So uh, it, he's in a little bit of a no-win situation, but that's why he gets paid like $50 million a year. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens here. He gets paid $50 million a year, one thirty-second of which comes from Stephen Ross. Um, <clears throat> oh, so did I? Did I sorry. No, sorry. One, I'm sorry. one thirty-second of which gets paid by Daniel Snyder. Okay, <laughs> so um, I thought I thought eight games and a fine. Um, I thought that was probably going to be too light for some people, too heavy for others. But the reason the fine is important is because the way the Browns structure the deal to where he only makes $1 million this year, Marcus, and salary. Mm-hmm. You lose six games. You're talking about – it's about 35% roughly of a 17-game schedule. So you're talking 350000 I don't know what the exact amount's going to be, but somewhere in that ballpark, <clears throat> that's a drop in the bucket for a yeah. guy that just got paid quarterback money. So that part bothered me a little bit. But to your point, this was collectively bargained. Okay, The players mm-hmm. agreed to this. This was something that, as you put – put it very succinctly, to get Roger Goodell out of the process. If the league swoops in and appeals it, now you're appealing the very first ruling this judge has made for you, which Mm -hmm. isn't really a great look either. Nope. And so I don't really care that it's a PR nightmare, but it's kind of a PR nightmare almost no matter what you do. And that's the whole point, right? It's you basically make this Sue Roberts look like she has no authority at all. If the first thing you do is tack on another six games or make it, you know, at eight game, you know, eight more games or whatever. So I think the NFL has to decide over the next two days. I'll be really curious to see what happens really quickly before we move on. Um, if you're the Cleveland Browns, does it really matter if he's suspended six or eight or 10 games, as long as he's not suspended the whole season, because you're probably not going to win the Super Bowl this year anyways with a quarterback missing a significant amount of time. Is it more important that he just plays some so you can have some momentum going into 2023? Oh, I think this works out great for them. <clears throat> I do, because it gives them a chance to still compete in the division. That's something we went over in our last podcast. Um, I mean, honestly, how much does this hurt Deshaun? I mean, okay, so he has to miss the games. It's not costing him financially. How much does he care about winning? I don't know. Maybe he cares very, very much about winning. Um, But if he cares some about winning, but more about making money, which there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. There's nothing wrong with caring about making a living. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I, I just wonder how motivating is this for him to not do these kinds of things? I mean, really? I heard a commentator today talking about how there's only one case left and he's almost out, out of legal trouble. Yay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm glad people out there are so relieved that he's almost out of legal trouble. If he can just settle this one, you know, um, it's just so, 
silly. Yeah. It's all yeah. silly. Um, either way, I thought it would be eight games and a fine. It was six games. I think if they would have gone four games, Marcus, there would have been a much larger uproar than there's been. Yeah, I think six is where Sue Roberts went because of the Ezekiel Elliott suspension that the NFL handed down a few years ago because this is what they did with Ben Roethlisberger. They really haven't gone above six games for a player in their... It sounds so weird to say first-time offense because there's how many different cases for Deshaun Watson, but this is the first time he's been in legal trouble. She kind of just went with what the standard has been in the NFL. To be honest with you, I'm a little more interested in another side of this that's not talked about hardly at all. We're not going to discuss it much here either because we we need to get on to other things. But what are the ramifications for the Texans in this? Because some of the things coming out of there, like if they basically helped him. It doesn't uh, make him look great. Let's just be clear. It yeah, doesn't make you so, look great. By the way, do you know who pays 132nd? Uh, never mind. Uh, okay, so let's go to a couple things that are a little bit different than people getting punished. Uh, Want to talk a little, little, little football action. All right, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I know you're really excited about what's going on with them, except not really at all. James Washington limped off the field the other day. Mm-hmm. Now he's out. They are not looking good at wide receiver, which is going to lead me into my next topic in just a second. But it made you and I talk on the phone, and I just thought we should mention this on the podcast, that when you pay attention to free agency news and you see the price tag that a player gets and you think, oh, my gosh, that's so much money. You have to remind yourself that that market is always moving Mm -hmm. and it's not moving backwards. And when Amari Cooper, who, you know, I'm not some giant Amari Cooper fan signed for $20 million with Cleveland. A lot of people are like, yeah, let them pay him that much money. Now, where's the wide receiver market and how badly do the Cowboys need Amari Cooper? Badly. I mean, their receiving core outside of CD lamb, I think is probably the worst in the NFL and they are in a danger spot here where they're going to need CeeDee Lamb to get 160, 170 targets. And if he goes down for any point in time, they're in real, real trouble here. Uh, Elliot, their wide receivers, 2 through 11 right now on the roster, have combined for zero career touchdowns in the NFL. That's not great. And the highest pedigree one is Jalen Tolbert, a rookie from <laughs> South Alabama, They've got a six-year veteran in Noah Brown, who's really a special teamer. Cowboys are in a little bit of trouble here. But, I mean, you know, Amari Cooper just <clears throat> management didn't love Amari Cooper, right? They didn't love paying Amari Cooper $20 million yeah. a year. Is what it was. That, now, if Amari yes. Cooper was $12 million a year, I think that you would talk, they would be talking about how much they love him. But that salary is what bothered them. I don't think they had the foresight here to, to see what was going to happen at the receiver market. And now they're left with one of the most shallow groups in the NFL. Well, I'll let you cover this on Locked On Cowboys. But the comments about Amari Cooper were not always glowing, I felt like, from headquarters. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think he he's just of a different breed than some of the other receivers that the Cowboys are used to having, right? The, the alpha male, number one dominant receiver. He's just not like that. And I think that Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones had a hard time um dealing with it you can always deep dive with the cowboys with marcus and landon mccool over at locked on cowboys i want to segue off the cowboys to really a uh, double dip here philadelphia and new orleans if you didn't listen to our podcast last week 
we went over every team's expected wins and losses uh, per Vegas odds. And we just wanted to go circle back to that because with the Cowboys struggling so bad at wide receiver, I told Marcus, I think one of the best bets you could make before the season was Philadelphia at four to one to win the NFC East. You're probably not going to get those odds anywhere now, but uh, that would be a bet that I would be even more confident about making now. I don't see how the Cowboys are going to beat them in the division unless Jalen Hurts just falls on his face. Well, that's still ultimately what matters here, right, is the quarterback, because we've seen practice reports that he's still struggling with his accuracy. There's no doubt to me that Philadelphia is the more talented team. I mean, you stack up their rosters. I'm not even sure it's close. But we know that the quarterback can make a big difference here, right? So I I expect this division to be close all year long. The difference is, obviously, Hurts' running ability. And if he runs as effectively as he did and the rest of their backfield as they did the second half of last year, look out. He may not need to be as accurate a passer as Uh, long as he, again, doesn't fall on his face. I've got the odds right here. Philadelphia is plus 165 to win the NFC East. Yeah, look how much that's changed. Mm -hmm. You know, I should have made that bet a long time ago. Yeah. I wanted to do it with Marcus, and this was Marcus's response. I don't want to bet against my Cowboys. Yeah, I don't want to. Listen, betting should be fun. You should enjoy it. You should be betting on teams that you want to root for, not the Eagles. At least for me. Yeah, that's why you bet on the Steelers to win, because that way, if they lose, you win either way. Correct, yeah. Uh, Can we talk about the Saints? Because I do want to bet on the Saints. Yes. So, again, if you didn't listen to our podcast last week, we just wanted to throw in here also that the Saints, we found to be another great bet. It was eight and a half. Is it still about eight and a half wins for them? Uh, Yes. uh, I've got their wins as as well as their their odds to, to win the division. The odds to win the division are plus 310. Their regular season wins are eight. I love the wins. I don't love the division one. I love the wins because I think we both have them circled for about 10 and 7, right? No? You a little higher? Lower? I I think 9 is probably where they end up, but I think the ceiling is much higher than that. I think if some th- go, games go the right way, I think they could get to 11. But if I had to bet on a number, I think 9 is the right one. For Dude, them. they won 9 games last year with who playing quarterback I know. right now, Taysom Hill and a bad finger yes. to, to be fair they they beat Tampa Bay twice and they killed Green Bay I don't know if they're going to dominate those teams as, again this year but the point's taken this is a team that's a very high floor they did lose Sean Payton and you wonder how much that's going to hurt them yeah well, Tampa's got a new left guard they're going to have a new center uh this isn't an easy defense to play they could win that division because it's not going to be Atlanta or Carolina so, and then obviously if Tom Brady hits the wall, uh, Tom Brady, speaking of his former team, the New England Patriots, there have been some people that pointed out Bob Kraft in relation to Deshaun Watson. I, you know, this, this kind of goes into the theme of this podcast that it's, I don't understand how people are overlooking uh, or how so many people are overlooking the fact that the owners are being so protected. It seems like Marcus, because, and I know there's some differences between what happened with Bob Kraft and Deshaun Watson, but where does this lead in in your mind? I know Bob Kraft is, you know, that happened two years ago, but at at some point, I guess I just wanted to circle back with you. Do you think 
that there is a tipping point where people are like, okay, we've had enough. We don't want to put any more money in these owners' pockets, or we're tired of the players being punished so much more severely than the owners. Unfortunately, no, right? As soon as week one gets here, people are going to be excited about their teams and they're going to want to watch the games and they're going to want to watch their fantasy players and they're going to want to make bets. So as much as the owners get in trouble, um, we've seen Jerry Jones have a couple of things happen this offseason that were certainly not great. Dan Snyder, Stephen Ross. I don't, I don't think it's deterred fans at all. I agree. Uh, it's, it's just an interesting thing um, that we're in a spot where I think with social media becoming so prevalent and by so prevalent, I mean, we're pretty much everyone is on some kind of social media now, as opposed to 10 years ago. It amazes me that there's not even more outcry about this. And I only have Bob Kraft here because of we got the Deshaun Watson ruling mm-hmm. um, yesterday. It still amazes me that nothing came out of the Snyder hearings. So it's just like, okay, we got Stephen Rouse. We've got obviously Bob Kraft again a couple of years ago. You have Daniel Snyder just a few days ago. I, I just wonder when this is going to kind of come back and bite the league in, in, in the butt, so to speak. And then I'll go a little bit farther with management in that we had more brushback with the Cardinals this week because of the contract they did <laughs> with Kyler Murray. Now, this is a totally different issue. I just can't remember ownership slash management having this many different teams kind of in the news in one week. Now, this was a totally unique deal. So if you mm-hmm. missed it, there's language in Kyler Murray's contract. You could basically call it, you call it the homework clause. I, I, don't, I don't know what else you would call, yeah, it, sure. call it, you know, sure. the study clause that he needs to put in the time in film study as part of one of the terms of his deal. Once that got out there, there was some blowback. People thought, why why are you investing in a guy that you don't even trust, that you have to literally incentivize them in their contract? Um, Why are you signing that guy to to this kind of deal? So then they said they were going to take it out. So go ahead. I I also want to add some more context to the, the study part of it. Uh, according to the contract, Kyler Murray was not allowed to have a second screen, uh, another iPad, a pod, another or sorry, another iPad or another computer with him when he was studying, and he had to use an app that would have his camera on so they could see that he was looking at his screen and studying. What does that tell you, Elliot? It tells you that they didn't trust him at all to do the studying. Now we could debate. Does he need to study that much? Is he one of those players that just can go out there and play and he doesn't, it's not that big of a deal. It just made everybody look bad. It made the Cardinals look bad. It made Kyler Murray look bad. It made whoever did this contract bad that his agent would sign it. It's just not a great situation. You know, there's just so much. It's kind of hard to go in any kind of order here. If you're watching on YouTube, we have a rundown, but because so many of these issues are like intertwined. So I want to go back to Cleveland again with Deshaun Watson. Because this is also relatable to something I said earlier. I said, how much does Deshaun Watson care about winning? Because he's not really being punished that much financially. I'm not insinuating that Deshaun Watson doesn't care, but some players care more than others. Sure. And I think a great example of that is if a player is going out there and winging it on their athletic ability. Look, I played sports 
I know what it's like to be on the field and want to win so bad. But do you want to win that badly Wednesday at 1030 a.m.? Mm-hmm. Because or if do you, you do, you put in the time, right? Or do, do you want to get up at 430 in the morning and get to the facility and start watching film when your bed's nice and comfortable? Trust me, I've been there a million times. I, I get it. But yeah, right. it's 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 tough. If you're booking appointments all over town, trying to do you know what, how much do you care about winning? Mm-hmm. Now, you might say, well, that's not the same thing. Sure it is. If you're putting yourself in a position to where you may jeopardize your team or you're spending that much time trying to set up things you shouldn't be doing, that's less time that you're spending preparing. Now, I'm not one of these people that thinks that quarterbacks, Marcus, need to spend every second of every day trying to win. But keeping yourself out of trouble, keeping yourself out of the bars every single night, Uh, getting into the facility to study. I I think those things are important. And and I know there's been some talk about how early in their careers, Peyton Manning did a ton of commercials and Tom Brady did not. Mm -hmm. And Tom Brady thought it was a distraction. And then later in his career, he started doing more of that stuff. It's not that he was wanting for opportunities early in his career. Do you think I'm being unfair in saying Mm -hmm. this? Or do you think, where are you on this? No, I think... I think there, every quarterback has a certain amount of preparation and studying they need to do to be prepared for a game. Um, however, there's certainly guys that want to make sure that their teams are in the best position as possible to win. I think Kyler believes he's one of these quarterbacks that can go out there with limited amount of studying, not, not zero amount, but a limited amount and still play particularly well. Um, it's just it's if you're a Cardinals fan, it's got to be a little bit frustrated though because you've seen the potential of Kyler, and you've seen hey if he can just do these one two three things a little bit better, maybe that's why we don't fall off in December and January, and that's how we make a run to the playoffs and you know maybe deep into the NFC playoffs. But now I think Cardinal fans are going to think in the back of their mind all the time they're going to have this little shadow of doubt like hey did. Did Kyler not study this week if he had a bad game? Uh, that's the part of this that's going to ha- be hard to, to ever kind of get out of the, the news cycle. Right. Let me make something clear. I'm not insinuating that Sean Watson doesn't care about winning. What I'm saying is that caring about winning is more than just being on that field and being competitively great. Because what do we talk about with plays? Take individual plays. How much of the play has affected pre-snap? Marcus, you know, I mean, right. right. So it's same thing with the game itself. So much of the game is affected by your preparation. Mm -hmm. The less time you're at the facility, the more time you're in trouble, uh, the more time you're out at the bars, the, the more you're taking away from that. That doesn't mean that these guys don't deserve a break in season. They do Mm -hmm. absolutely do. But I just don't know when you get a suspension like Deshaun Watson got, that's not going to cost him almost anything. How much is that really affecting him? I don't know. And when I say I don't know, I don't don't know. know. I don't know. Uh, And with Kyler Murray, uh, you know, they made it very public. He made it very public how disgruntled he was with the organization. Then they put something like this on in his contract, and he says he's being disrespected. He wasn't exactly throwing the organization a lot of respect Mm -hmm. a, a few months ago. I rarely side with management, but in this particular case, if you don't, 
trust the player to do the work that they need to do, why get into a contract like this with them anyway? Is Kyler Murray that important? Truly. Can you replace Kyler Murray? Yes, but it's not easy. Right. It's not easy. And so it goes, and and I want to close with this. It goes to a question that you and I have hammered on this podcast so many times without a real definitive answer. What's the goal? Is the goal to win the Super Bowl or is the goal to be nine and eight, fill the seats, sell jerseys and make money? It's a business, right? It's a business. Making money. We're making money yeah. here. So I don't know if, if the goal is to win the Super Bowl. I don't know if this was the right move. You know, if the goal is to stay competitive, yeah, it was the right move. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Yep. Uh, but yep. uh, with that, I will give you the last word. Yeah, some breaking news uh, here before we head out. Um, Ding. Yeah. Ding. Benny Snell, the cleared number two uh, at practice for the Steelers behind Najee Harris, ahead of Anthony McFarland. Just shockwaves around the NFL. I don't know how we're going to handle that. You didn't say what had happened to him. Nothing. He's fine. They were just, he's the number two running back so far in practice. <laughs> So I'd like to relate Benny Snell to ownership. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you want to pick kidding. one more card before we go? Just really quickly. I do. Right, I do, but see. I do want your thought. I do want one last Marcus Mosher thought while you're here. I'm about to that I card. want go you ahead. to be honest with me. Am I being too big a negative, Nancy, about the state of ownership and where we are? Because if uh, I am, I want you to keep I want you to keep me in check. No, but I just don't know how much it matters because I don't even know if most fans could even name their owner if you're not a Dallas Cowboy fan or if you're, if you're totally you're, fair. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know how much that matters. Okay. All right. Let's pull a card. All right. Let's pull a card. You ready? First card. Ooh. Uh, hold on. Marcus just told me my opinion doesn't matter. And I'm like, let's pull a card. All right. I don't know if you can see this. Oops, that looks on. like Haywood Jeffries. It is. Yeah. So let's see. This is 92 action pack. Yes. Okay, so this is 91 Haywood Jeffries. I think he caught 100 balls that year. I'm going to go 101 catches. 100 on the dot. Ah. Ah. Do you want to guess yeah. the yardage? Uh, probably won't be able to get that, but I'll go 12, 34, and eight touchdowns. Ah, not too bad. 11, 81, and seven touchdowns. Not too bad. So those Oilers, you know, they ran the run and shoot under Jack Pardee uh, in 91. You had Warren Moon, Ernest Givens, Curtis Duncan. Um, I think Drew Hill was that was his last year there. And you had Haywood Jeffries. Man, really good receiver core. And Warren Moon, still one of the best pure throwers of the football I've ever seen. But the 91 Oilers got beat in a great John Elway playoff performance at Mile High that, that we talked about in our John Elway yep. podcast. I, I, so. I do want to be clear. Uh, I drew a Leroy Butler card, but I didn't want you to talk about him because I'm tired of talking about him. So that is so messed up. It really is. <laughs> what are you laughing at? What are you cackling about well, over there, Courtney? Uh, <laughs> I just he, we Laugh talk about up, him all Buzz the time. Ball. You know, in honor of the Hall of Fame game on Thursday and the Hall of Fame induction, we just don't need to talk about him anymore. Do you like the action pack card set? Because that was a really unique card set. It was like a foil, isn't it? Like yeah, a yeah. Foil? They're, they're like a foil, and they've got like these little bumps like on them. Like, I don't know if you can see this, but they're, they're like yeah. little raised and stuff. Yeah, they're pretty cool. 
I had a 91 action pack Marcus Allen. That was the only one I had, and those were gold-bordered. I don't think the ones that you have are gold-bordered. Yeah, I have them. I, I just saw them. I lost them in here, but I've got multiple of them. It's interesting. Um, you know, football cards in, like, the 2000s, they have all these special cards, right? You were telling me about a Peyton Manning that you had that you could, like, see through. They would put, like, pieces of jersey in cards. Yeah, that one right there. Um that's Marcus Allen. He's holding up uh, the 91 action pack. Or is that a 92 that you're holding up? This is 92. Yeah. 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 So action pack was like the first football card set that didn't just do like a normal card. You know, yeah. like they're they're like wrapped in foil. I don't know how else to, to describe them. And they're raised on the yeah. card itself. So uh, they were very popular when they came out. But the problem was the packs were like, I don't know, two bucks. And you could buy like a tops pack for 45 cents. So I worked at a baseball card store. And so I couldn't afford a $2 pack of cards to get, you know, a Boomer Esiason foil card. Yeah. Yeah. Just wait 30 years and somebody will drop them off in your garage randomly for free. Isn't that's remarkable? Two suitcases <laughs> worth. It's just crazy. What did you do for that? Anything? Did he just come over and say, bro, thanks for mowing the lawn? No, he just said, hey, here you go. If you find anything expensive or anything worth a lot of money, let me know. So, cool. Yeah, because you don't even shovel your own driveway <laughs> anymore. So, yeah. I would say you outsource your beard, too, but you don't even really grow. No, I, it's pretty weak. Yeah, it's pretty weak. I agree with that. <laughs> all right. That's all for us. Uh, we appreciate you staying with us, and we thank the good folks over at Brinks, even if they do laugh every time Marcus bags on me. Uh, he is at Marcus underscore Mosher on Twitter. I want to apologize for being curmudgeon Carl today. <laughs> I came in a little bit. Uh, yeah, we know. Uh, I'm at Harrison NFL on Twitter. We appreciate you guys very much, and we will talk to you soon. Take care, everybody.